Greetings. This is Scott Swanstrom, your host of Mind Redefined, Lifting the Stigma Around Mental Health. And today's episode is Art Therapy and Mental Health Awareness. And we have a very special guest today, Dr. Dina Rico, who is a licensed mental health counselor and registered art therapist. She currently works at the University of North Florida Counseling Center, providing individual and group counseling and or art therapy for UNF students. She is also the coordinator of art therapy services at the center. In this role, she consults with other clinicians on including therapeutic art activities with their clients, educational outreach to the campus and community, and conducts art therapy workshops. Since the pandemic started, she has been adapting in-person services to online alternatives and is currently exploring ways to safely begin offering in-person groups and workshops again. Dr. Rico, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Now, I'm really excited about our conversation because it's something that is really mysterious to the general population. And so I like to use the phrase pulling back the curtain. And uh, that's really what we hope to do today and to show the benefits in regards to art therapy. Before we get started, I'd like to ask you the question, what is one thing that you're celebrating today? Well, I am celebrating the beginning of fall semester at UNF, which starts next week. And we are back on campus in the Counseling Center. We're celebrating that as well. We've been working remotely for quite a while. Excellent. School's getting back in session and being more on a routine now, it it probably feels pretty good to do that. So as we're talking about art therapy, let's go ahead and start from ground zero. What is art therapy? Okay. So I'm going to give you the formal definition and then I'll kind of give you like a definition that maybe makes more common sense. (laughs) So art therapy is a therapeutic use of art making in a clinical setting with the goal of helping people to increase awareness of their self and others, cope with symptoms or stress, and process traumatic experiences. Also learn ways to make positive changes. So I know that's a mouthful, (laughs) and um, I'd like to kind of describe it like a typical session would be including art making around a specific issue identified by the client and or the art therapist and processing of those images. So after like a participant finishes an art directive, which is like a suggestion or prompt for creating, the image is reflected upon and processed with the therapist. So how is it different then from traditional mental health therapies? Yeah. So what's different mostly about art therapy is that it provides the additional language of images for communication and expression in therapy. So the images can be like a bridge to the unconscious. And since images are less guarded than verbal interactions, insights may occur more quickly and with more lasting results than verbal therapy alone. What would you say are the three most common myths or misunderstandings about art therapy? As I ask that question, I'm thinking about, you know, having watched episodes of Law and Order where they kind of introduce little snapshots of things like this in there. And, you know, from an entertainment perspective, you you might not have the full picture as the benefits and how it actually works. So what are the three most common myths or misunderstandings about art therapy? I think it's a great question. You make a really good point of how it's portrayed sometimes. So the first one that I can think of, the first thing that people often misunderstand is they think that they need drawing skills to participate in art therapy. Many times people will say, oh, I can't draw. And I'll usually say, that's great, because sometimes it can be a disadvantage to actually have art skills, because you might get too focused on how it looks instead of the process. The technical side Mm -hmm, of it. mm -hmm. 
A lot of people worry about their art skills, and they think if they don't have advanced drawing skills that they can't participate. But because the emphasis in art therapy is on the process instead of the product, it really isn't necessary because they're not creating art to hang on the wall for aesthetic appeal. Instead, it's a focus on what's learned through the processing of the images by the client and the therapist. So the goal is kind of different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's one myth. You don't have to have drawing skills. There's also ways, like a lot of times too, if people get super anxious, there's ways that you can make them less anxious and create images. So if they just drawing is just not for them, they can collage, you know, they can cut pictures and make collages. I sometimes have stencils available for people so they can do that. I have more than just drawing materials. I have three-dimensional materials so they can make things with clay. They can make masks, things like that, that don't require someone to actually draw and make it look like maybe they think they should. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And splicing mm-hmm. some already created mm-hmm. images together. To yeah. Very good. Mm-hmm. So that was the first myth, right? Okay. I've got another one just in case we don't cover it today. But in regards to art therapy, do you see a lot of adults being involved? In okay. This? So that's perfect because that's actually one of the myths is a lot of people think that art therapy is only used with children or with people who have experienced trauma. A lot of people are surprised to hear that art therapy can be used with any population, any age, and in any setting that traditional therapy is used. Very good. Do you do art therapy personally? Yes, yes. I mean, I have been a therapist for 30 years. 20 of those years, I've been doing art therapy. Very good. So, yeah. (laughs) And it's been beneficial personally to you. uh, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Just sit back. Do you have an art background? I do. So my undergraduate degree is in fine art. And like many fine art students, I graduated and said, what am I going to do? Right. You know, I didn't feel quite like my art skills could get me employed in some places. I did not want to teach art. And I did not want to be a starving artist mm. either. So I thought about, well, what's my other love, which was psychology. Mm. So I went and studied psychology and got a master's in counseling. And I started in the field for about 10 years. I was working in the field. I worked with a lot of at-risk youth at that time who were a really creative population. And I started sort of introducing art as a way to build rapport with them, as a way to learn about them. And then I learned there was this whole field of art therapy. So, of course, I had to go and do that. (laughs) And that's when I went on to study art therapy. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Very cool. All right. So I think we have one more common myth or misunderstanding. Yes. So the last one is a lot of times people will say to me, oh, you know, I don't want to show you my art because you might know things about me. If you just look at my art, you might learn all these things about me that I don't want you to learn. And That is a myth. Art therapists do not have a secret decoder ring, right? (laughs) Um, There's some universal what we call graphic indicators or patterns of images in client artwork that can at times lend support to diagnoses. However, the symbolic meaning of the images may only be understood if the client provides the context and processes along with the therapist. So there's a safety there for those who are conducting that. I can give a little example of it if that's appropriate. Um, So lots of people who have studied psychology or counseling have learned about some of the earliest ways that art was used in counseling, which are projective drawing tests. And so one of the pretty popular projective drawing tests was the house tree person. 
And lots of times people would say, oh, well, if there's a knot in the tree, then that means that there was some type of difficulty in development at that time, which may or may not be true, right? So you can't just look at it and say, oh, there's a knot in the tree. That's what that means. It could mean that the schema for the tree for that person was a tree with a knot, with a knot, you know, like maybe in their backyard, they had a tree that had a knot and that was the schema that they had. So the processing is what uncovers. So as you're talking about it, tell me about this tree and tell me about this part and you know, what does this tree remind you of? And tell me about this right here, this knot in the tree. What is this representing? And then that way the person can kind of let you know whether it was part of their schema or whether it wasn't. And and you can sort of match up. So being reliant on yeah. the interpretation of the artist themselves. Right. Unpacking that. Very good. So what are the advantages of the therapeutic use of art? Well, there's quite a few. I have some here that are the ones that have been identified early on by one of the pioneers in art therapy, and her name was Harriet Weidson. And so she identified some really specific advantages. And so I'll go through those and kind of explain them. The first one is the immediacy of doing a task together, particularly if you're working with couples, families, or groups. And so this refers to the interactions that take place in creating together. You know, so like you can sort of watch and see what happens. And it's almost like a window into their world. If you look at therapists who work with someone in the office or therapists who work with someone in their home, they're going to see a whole lot more in the home. So this is sort of a way to see how those home interactions play out and the paper, if they're working on it together or whatever media they're using to work on it together, could be representative of the life space. Mm. And the way they interact, it can be very telling. So that's an advantage. The genuineness of unexpected material revealed in the pictures. There's times when a client will create an image and initially not know why it's there until it's processed. So it's kind of similar to understanding a dream after initially being confused by the dream content, after sort of talking about it and processing, oh, that's what that means. And then that's that unexpected material that comes through. Another is the spatial expression of pictures. So this sort of refers to the expression the popular expression, a picture paints a thousand words. You know, sometimes we need more than words to explain how we're feeling. So it's definitely an advantage to have that spatial expression. This is one that I really like a lot and I use a lot. And that's the permanence that's encountered when a drawing can provide a concrete object to study, react, and review over time. A drawing or, or really any other art that's done, any other media, whether it's painting, drawing, three-dimensional, And it's sort of like a tangible record of a previous session that can quickly bring back past insights with clarity. And sometimes you could be working with a client and they won't remember what insights they had maybe some sessions back. And so if I'm working with a client for a long time, I may, after some time, put up all the artwork and say, let's look at this again and let's process this again and let's see what patterns we can find in all of your images that sort of come together So I see that as a real advantage as well. One more, and that is the shared pleasure that picture making can provide, again, particularly with couples, families, and groups. It can be really fun and bonding to create together. Very cool. From a personal point of view, I actually have an opportunity with my kids where we'll sit down and we'll do a little art Mm. challenge. And it's kind of a fun thing. I'm particularly biased as a father. I think my kids are the best kids in the world. And they're, they're, they're fantastic <laughs> artists as well. Awesome. But 
I really like to sit down with them and just carve out maybe 20 minutes time at a table. And we'll put a sheet of paper in front of each of us and we'll each have a pencil and we get to just draw a line on the page and they have to turn that into a picture somehow. And they love doing it with me because all three of them will put a line on my page. And so I've got a little bit more of an extra challenge there. And they blow me out of the water in regards to the art. But uh, the bonding time that comes from that and the relationship building because it creates conversation afterwards. And that's a simple way to do it. There's nothing complex about setting something like that up because I need all the help I can get uh, in regards to being a parent because it's it's a lifelong journey. So I have definitely enjoyed that and appreciate the relationship connectiveness that comes from something like that. So I love it that you're making art with your kids. That's, That's great. We have a good time with it. And it doesn't take a long time either to be meaningful. So it's been very good. Sure. It's very important. And I know we mentioned when we were making our introductions earlier to point out how things maybe have changed and the things that you have observed since the pandemic season. And there's always this sense of uncertainty with where we're living, how we're living right now. I know a lot of us were thinking that the pandemic season was coming to an end. It was feeling pretty comfortable again. And maybe now with the uh, resurgence and the Delta variant at this time, and who knows what the future may hold, what have you observed in regards to COVID and the aspects of art therapy? It's such an important question to respond to. Much of the therapeutic work during the pandemic was done remotely, you know, for safety reasons, and it poses quite a few challenges. There's also some benefits. You know, it's been more convenient for some people to partake in mental health counseling or art therapy, but some people don't feel as vulnerable when they're doing a video conference as they would in person. Others prefer the video conference. So I've seen a lot of benefits and challenges. Specifically to art therapy, what's kind of challenging is that an art therapist isn't able to watch a client create the image in the same way they would in person. And how the client creates during the session, whether the client struggles or flows with ease in the art making, it's something the therapist would typically notice and process with the client, you know. It's also more challenging to see a completed image clearly when doing a session over video conference. And then the other piece is the client's limited to the art supplies they have at home instead of those the art therapist can offer in person. It has been different. I haven't offered art therapy process groups at UNF during the pandemic because we're still doing our groups remotely. I have offered workshops. I can tell you about how we've adapted to the workshops. Right now, we are offering some in-person sessions, individual in-person sessions. Our groups remain on a video conference platform. Very good. Some challenges. We haven't figured everything out, but there's been some benefits that that have come along with that. Mm -hmm. I might jump in on one of your classes. That'd be great. (laughs) (laughs) We do have, I think the next thing we were going to talk about are some projects and Mm -hmm. things I'm working on. So one of the things that I'm working on right now, like I said, I typically provide group art therapy, but because the processing is a bit challenging, I've been doing mostly just workshops, and those workshops are via a Zoom video conferencing. The online platform that we came up with is called Creative Coping Studio. And so it began as a way to continue workshops through the pandemic. Students sign into Zoom workshop link and create around various art directives that aim to help students learn how to use art making and creative processes to enhance coping with stressors, which, of course, the pandemic has brought plenty of. 
The workshops are available bi-weekly, and each workshop has a different theme. Students can keep their cameras off if they prefer. This is like one of the benefits. So, you know, sometimes being on a video conference, people feel really uncomfortable, particularly if there's other students and they think, oh, I don't know. So we give them the option of keeping their camera off. They don't necessarily have to talk. They can interact through the chat feature, or they can also talk. I usually will introduce the topic. I'll help them kind of take a minute to practice mindfulness and kind of get comfortable in their space and do some deep breathing. And then we'll move into like a 20-minute time frame where they're creating around whatever the theme is. Once that's done, we offer them to share what the experience was like. If they want to share their image, they can do that as well. And then I also provide them some questions for further exploration. So because the workshops aren't actually therapy groups, they're just drop-in groups, I don't get deep into the processing, but I do give them questions that they can use either with their individual therapist or with a close friend or family member to kind of explore their art on a deeper level. Very good. So it just kind of yeah. keeps on going. They, they're given the tools to yeah. be able to continue on and working through that mm -hmm. uh, thought process. Are there other projects or initiatives that you are in the midst of right now? Yeah. So one of the things I really miss from life before the pandemic was something that I had developed at UNF that art therapists will do at times, something called open studio, which is just like a time that people can come in and create and there's lots of materials available. So at UNF, before the pandemic, I had an open studio for the UNF students. It was a two-hour block weekly was on Wednesday afternoons, and they could come and go as they please within that two-hour block. I would usually play music, and they could relax, and had lots of different art media, paper, canvases, paint, acrylic paint, watercolor paint, oil pastels, drawing pencils, markers, clay, collage materials, Just and students could come in and choose whatever they wanted and create. There would also be like a highlighted activity if they had no idea what they wanted to do. And that was usually around some type of themed mental health issue. You know, like if it was exam week, we'd work on like self-care and dealing with stress and test anxiety. The thing that, that students really liked about it is they didn't have to talk at all. They could just come in and create. And if they wanted to talk, they could. And if not, they could just do their art. And it was therapeutic itself to just make the art, you know. It would just provide an opportunity to be quiet and create, to self-soothe, to engage in right brain thinking, and to relax. And I'm now exploring ways to try to bring that back on campus. So it was a very small conference room that we did it in. It was usually packed with like standing room only, kind of, because it was pretty popular. There were only so many seats. But I'm trying to think about like, how could I do this in a safe way? Like perhaps I could offer it a couple times a semester outside, of course, with the approval and keeping in mind guidelines, social distancing and masking and, and an effort to keep it safe for students, yet set up an environment where they can still create together. Excellent. That sounds amazing. And I can definitely see why that would be so attractive mm -hmm. for folks. It's very non-confrontational. Mm -hmm. It's very unassuming. And you've yeah. got to come in and regulate your time how you want to. Yeah. It was like this really nice creative environment, right? And they could influence each other and just by being there with each other, they could, lots of times students would come with friends and bring their friends and I miss hosting it. And I know a lot of students who participate in it miss having it. Well, here's hoping that it's going to open up here mm -hmm. in the future and having that availability and 
mm-hmm. that connectiveness to, to be able to do something like that. I hope it is sooner than later. So very good. So I do want to offer an opportunity for our listeners to get some more resources to maybe start the journey and finding out more information and what art therapy looks like and what it offers. Mm-hmm. How would you direct someone who is interested in art therapy or benefits from that? Where would you direct them? So the first reference that I would recommend is the American Art Therapy Association website, which is arttherapy.org. On that website, there's a lot of training programs for art therapy. There is a way you can find an art therapist in your community. There's like listings. There's lots of conferences and training listings. There's information about what art therapy is. It's a great website. There's also the Florida Art Therapy Association, which is floridaarttherapy.org. Lots of similar information, but more specific to Florida. The last thing would be the UNF Counseling Center website. So if someone were to go to the UNF website and search Counseling Center, there's also an art therapy section where there's some information. A lot of it's similar to what I shared today. And then also some images that were created that students gave permission for me to show on the website. Excellent. Thank you for those resources. And we will be posting those on our uh, Facebook page as well so that Great. folks who are on there can can research that out a little bit more. Dr. Rico, thank you so much for your time today and your insight in regards to art therapy. And again, pulling back that curtain in regards to something that's a little more mysterious to folks. And also, I do want to give a shout out to SAMHSA. Thank you, SAMHSA, for providing the MHAT grant for this podcast to be able to take place. Thank you, LSF Health Systems, for also making this possible. This is Mind Redefined. I am your host, Scott Swanstrom. We hope to catch you in our next episode. Thank you. Thank you.